And we're going to read verses 1 through 16 this morning and get started um, a new series that I'm going to do probably just at least through Christmas, uh, really based out of the book of Ephesians, but not exclusively because today we'll probably spend a lot of time, or we will spend a lot of time in the book of Acts kind of introducing this, uh, this whole series. So as you can see on the cover sheet to the Sunday School handout, it's the, the idea of this, or the theme, is measuring our walk, and that's really taken out of Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. So let's, um, let's go ahead and uh, we'll read this, and then we'll have uh, a word of prayer. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 through 16. The Bible says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called, and one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles and some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working and the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we ask that you'd bless our Bible study this morning as we begin this new series of lessons. Help me as I teach these lessons and uh, just guide and direct. Draw each of us, Lord, closer to you as we open your word. We pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd minister to our hearts uh, minister to our minds, Lord, and uh, just um, do a work in each of us. Lord, we pray for the Sunday school classes that are taking place downstairs, that you'd bless the efforts right now, be with each teacher, be with each of the students, that it would be a profitable time. We pray for the junior church to follow. We pray, Lord, that it would be a blessing that um, the children that are in junior church would uh, number one, be drawn closer to you, and then there'll be some that are there that have never received you as their Savior. We pray for the salvation of their souls. And the morning worship service, Lord, we pray that you'd bless as Pastor Ethan preaches this morning, as the music is played, and we lift up our voices in praise and worship, that you'd 
just bless uh, all of our efforts today. Let it all bring honor and glory to you. Again, we're so thankful, as always, Lord, for your goodness. We're thankful for your mercy, and we're thankful for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so on your hand, did you ladies get a handout coming in? All right, very good. So just, uh, just on the, the first couple of sentences here, so as we transition out of our Missions Emphasis Month, well, that, and that reminds me, too, if you're having a part in Faith Promise Missions and you haven't filled out a Faith Promise Missions commitment, it's really important that you do that and you put that in the offering plate so we can gauge, uh, Ethan and I were talking yesterday about what new missionaries to take on in the coming year. But we can only do that based on what our projected giving is for this next year. So if you haven't done that, in the foyer, there are the Faith Promise cards. You don't put your name on it. It's all anonymous. And however the Lord has led you, fill that out, tear the little stub off of it, stick it in the offering plate so that we can have an idea of what our budget moving forward is uh, for this coming year. So just a reminder of that. But anyhow, let me start again. So as we transition out of our Missions Emphasis Month, I'm going to teach a series regarding our walk with the Lord. Not only the importance of our walk, but how we both as individuals and a church body measure our walk. In Ephesians 4.1 it says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of of the gift of Christ. And then later on in that chapter, as we already read, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So the idea of walking worthy in the Lord, but measuring it. How do we measure? How do we measure our walk? And of course, everything that we do, we measure it by what the scriptures say. That's, that's the measuring stick, uh, if you will. And that's the purpose of the series, is to challenge us not only as individuals, but as a body of believers, as a church, as a local church. How do we walk? How are we individually walking? And uh, so it's so important. Um, now, so again, this is kind of an introductory lesson, but I want you to see a strategy, and I, I hope that you'll see that, as we go through this. So we're going to kind of look at a lot of scripture this morning and, and touch base in some areas, but it's important foundationally to kind of set us up for this entire series here. So again, at the bottom of the front page, it says, it's important to note that as Paul went forth to spread the gospel and establish churches, it was not only to bring people to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, but just as importantly, to bring them up in the faith. Again, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, and we're to be reminded that God measures success by a different standard than man often measures success. Uh, he honors faithfulness. And so sometimes, sometimes as uh, when you look at churches, sometimes people measure success by the amount of people in a church. Well, that's ne not necessarily how God measures success. Um, you could have a large group of people assembling, and if you measured how they're worshiping and functioning 
with regards to Christianity, it could quite frankly be, uh, it, it just doesn't measure up. So it's so important that we understand that individually and as a church. And when we study the parables, um, in, in one of the parables, the parables of the talents. So if you remember in the, that parable, the, the Lord gave uh, the Lord in the parable gave a servant, or gave three servants. To one he gave five talents, to another he gave two talents, and to another he gave one talent. And then upon returning, the one that he had given five talents, does anybody remember how many talents did he gain? Yeah, he gained back five talents. And so the the Bible says that the Lord said to him, well, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And then the second, he was given the two talents, and how many did he give? How many, how many talents? Two, correct? Do you remember? Correct. But then if you remember, the, the, the one that was given the one talent, he hid the talents in the earth. He never did anything with them. And you know what the Lord did? The Lord rebuked him. And so Jesus taught that parable as... Uh, indicating the need of, of believers to be faithful in the Lord. Um, he hid the talent. And I think of that sometimes. It's like Christians who, have, who have, I'm just going to say they have genuinely accepted Christ as their Savior, but they hide their Christianity. They do nothing with it. They're uninvolved. Oh, they perhaps come to church, and that may be the and I'm thankful for that, but that may be the full extent of their Christianity. They never share their faith. They never get involved in ministries that share faith. They basically, they just kind of show up and that's it. And they spend their whole life that way. Well, in some ways, that's kind of like hiding your faith when you're not involved or you're inactive in the faith. And uh, you and I, we're going to be measured for that. Sometime, I haven't taught on this in a long time, probably 10 years, but it would be good to do a short series on the judgment seat of Christ. Do you know that all of us of believers, we're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ one day and to give an account for our ministries. So we're to be thoughtful of that. But Paul here, he writes to the church in Ephesus. You can open up your handout. He writes to the church in Ephesus here, and, and um, he, he reminds them of that, that uh, walk worthy of your calling. And because there's a day coming when, yeah, we'll all be gathered together, but we need to grow up into him in all things. Now, when you study the early church, this, this gotta, I find this interesting, but really... There were three churches in the New Testament that God really used. I mean, God used all of the churches, okay? But God used these three particular churches in very important roles. So you notice the first church, that's the church in Jerusalem. And there they were at Pentecost, and that church was formed and empowered there. And God used that church there in a great way. And that church, and that church was, um, uh, is used as a model for much of what we do today. Amen? All right. And, uh, but primarily that church was made up of Jewish people. It was in Jerusalem. It was at Pentecost. People had come. But then the church in Antioch 
was a very, very important church. And we'll, we'll look at a couple of things. Um, so, so you notice just under that where I have Paul's calling. So there in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, that's where really the, the format that we have for missions was given. So that Jerusalem church, they're, they're waiting for the coming of the Holy Ghost. Jesus had promised it. He said, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You shall be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. That was the charge that he gave to the church there in Jerusalem. And, by the way, they didn't really do that at first. They fell into persecution, and then they were kind of scattered. Um, but that was the charge that was given. But vitally important church, the church in Jerusalem. And then the church in Antioch. And notice on your handout, Acts chapter 13. So, Paul arrives at the church in Antioch, and uh, he had already, of course, been saved, and uh, he had spent some time um, just ministering kind of quietly, and the Lord bringing him up in the faith and preparing him for what would be his public, more of his public or well-known ministry. But, but here, Acts chapter 13 on our handout. Now, these were... Uh, now there were in the church that was in Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas, Simeon that was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. So this is the beginning of Paul's missionary, one of three missionary um, journeys. So first, we're thinking of Paul's calling. We just talked about that. But now what I want to kind of zero in on for the next several minutes is the strategy that Paul used as he established churches. And that's the pattern that we have to and should also be still doing today. So you notice I have here your, the three missionary journey maps. I, instead of putting one down, what, that would show all of the journeys, because sometimes that can get confusing because there's lines all over these pages. But we have here, you notice on the map, Antioch on the right-hand side. And so we just saw here in Acts chapter 13, the calling. In fact, let's pick it up a little bit. Let's read it a little bit further. Go to the book of Acts if you're not there. Take, take your Bibles and go to Acts because we're going to spend the balance of the time in Acts. Acts chapter 13. So we already read verses um, uh, 1 through 4, or 1 through 3. Uh, verse 4. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, they departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. And when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews, and, they, and had also John to their minister. And when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, uh, whose name was Bar Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man, who called for Barnabas and Saul, and desired to hear the word of God. And I'm not going to read any further than that. I just want to kind of get us started. So again, look at the map there. So you see Paul as he heads out. And um, 
He goes to Cyprus, and then he goes into Pamphylia on your map. He goes up to Antioch, and now he's in the region, the, the area of Galatia. He goes to places like Iconium and, um, and to Derbe and uh, to Lystra, and in that area there. And then I want you to notice this. And so really, Acts chapter 13 through Acts chapter 14, that's an account of all of this. Okay? Well, but now turn to, I, I, I've said all that to have you turn to Acts chapter 14 and verse 21. Because this, obviously part of Paul's strategy is to go from city to city to city to preach the gospel and to establish churches. Right? Are you following me? Amen? All right, so you see that in the first missionary journey. But that's not the entirety of the strategy. So in Acts chapter 14, look at verse 21. Acts 14, 21. And when they had preached the gospel to that city and had caught many, they returned, and this is what I want to emphasize, they returned again to Lystra and to Iconium and Antioch confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith that we must through much tribulation enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had ordained elders in every church and he had prayed with fasting, they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. So let me just stop there. So what did they do? This is what I'm trying to get at this point. What did they do? They've gone, they've made this missionary journey, and now what did they do? What, Jim? Yeah, that, so what, what's the point of that? You're right. So what are they doing there? We're talking about the church, the body, the believers. What, what is he doing? He's holding, yes, he's holding them accountable. Yeah, what else? Yeah, he's training them to take over the work to continue what he did. What else? Discipleship. Pardon? Discipleship. Discipleship. So he's trying. So, so his strategy is not just not to go into these cities and preach the gospel and for souls to be saved, but it's to establish churches. And he understands, does Paul, the role of the local church, and the role of the local church it's to then train up um, disciples to follow Christ to build there a body of believers. Now, next week, I won't be here. Ethan's going to teach the lesson, but you'll see various metaphors in the book of Ephesians and uh, to show this, this uh, idea of, of building a cohesive unit. And that's what a local church needs to be. Everyone has a part, and we'll, we'll talk more and more about that. But I wanted you to see how that, that Paul emphasized this here as, um, as he, he would return. And you'll see this pattern again and again. So he goes and he does that, and he finishes uh, this ministry by returning back to Antioch. And Antioch, the second of these three key New Testament churches, uh, is like a springboard or a beachhead 
to continue to preach the gospel and to get new churches established. Okay, so he spends time in Antioch, and look at chapter 15 and verse 4. And when they were come to Jerusalem, he goes down to Jerusalem, they were received of the church of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. And then, I'm not going to get into all of this, but there was a dispute that they had to settle in Jerusalem, and, and that's a whole another lesson for a whole other time. But Paul deals with this there. And really, there was a whole discussion between law and grace. There were, uh, I find verse 15, by the way, of chapter uh, 15, a very interesting verse. Read, just read, read verse, verse, or, or verse 5 of chapter 15. Look what it says here. But there rose up certain of the sect of the Pharisees which believed. So that's a good thing, amen? They're believers. They, apparently they've accepted Christ for who he is. But look at the second part of the verse. Saying that it was needful to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Now, why do I find that interesting? You tell me. Think about what's being said there. I just find this to be kind of interesting. So Paul, he's returned from his first missionary journey. He's preached to both Jews and Gentiles. He returns to Antioch. Then he travels back down to Jerusalem. They have this big dispute over law and grace. These Pharisees, their position as believers is, no, you need to be circumcised. Go ahead, Jim. That's true. But why do I find that interesting? That's true. True. Yes, daughter-in-law. Deborah? Pardon? True. All these are true statements. Mike. Except these people are believers. Yes, Debbie. Well, that's, that's what we're going to get to. Part of my lesson today, we'll get to the end of this lesson, and you'll see not only was Paul's strategy to establish churches and to go back, but another part of his strategy was to write instructional letters. Frank? Well, we, we've determined that. True, it's all true. Yes, they, that's the point. Okay. So these people were believers, but they had something with regards to their faith that was not right. Listen, maybe you don't agree with me, but not every, we're ne not necessarily always going to be 100% right about everything, but that does not necessarily mean we're not believers. They, and, and you're going to find as we study part of the part of, 
Now I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, but um, all of Paul's epistles are basically written to believers to correct the errors of their faith. Faith is a very simple thing. So it is possible to believe in, in what Jesus Christ has done. These Pharisees certainly were believers. They had faith in Jesus Christ, but they were mixed up about some things. And it's very easy to... Well, I'll just leave it at that for right now. Well, that's why it says that the local church is the pillar and ground of the truth. Because it's within the context. I think an interesting point in this whole series lesson that we just introduced is that the whole New Testament is in the context of local churches. There's no renegade Christians on their own. And so the truth, the doctrine, is within the confines of that's why there's elders and pastors Right, and that's part of much of what we're going to talk about here uh, in the coming weeks. So, anyhow, um, pick it up in Acts chapter 15 and verse 36. So Paul spends time there. They deal with this. They get it straightened out. Um, and uh, to a degree, they get it straightened out. But now in verse 36, And some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. And Barnabas determined to take with him John Mark, whose surname, or John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take, with them, uh, take him with them, so they departed from uh, them from Paphilia, went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another. So Barnabas took Mark and sailed into Cyprus. Paul chose Silas departed being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God, and he went through Syria and Cilicia, and look what it says in verse number 41, confirming the churches. He has returned back to each of these churches, seeing where they stand, what are they involved in. And so again, if you just look on that map, the second map there, there's his second missionary journey. He again leaves out of, uh, he goes from Jerusalem back up to Antioch, and then he visits these churches that that he had already established, uh, or the Lord had used him to establish. But then along the way, uh, he expanded the ministry into Europe and uh, into places uh, that we see on the map that weren't on the first map. And uh, we'll see, he'll go to Ephesus and Thyatira and uh, Troas and Philippi and Thessalonica and Athens and so on and so forth. And then you'll see he comes and, and returns again. So now, now go to chapter 18 and verse 18. So the Bible here says this. And Paul, after he tarried there a good while, then took his leave of the brethren and sailed thence into Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila, having shorn his head in Centuria, uh, for he had a vow. And he came to Ephesus and left them there. But he himself entered into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. And when they desired him to tarry longer time with them, he consented not, but bade them farewell, saying, I must by all means keep this feast that cometh in Jerusalem, but I will return again unto you, if God will. And he sailed from Ephesus. And so he lands at Caesarea, saluted the church, went to Antioch, and after he had spent, verse 23, some time, he departed, went over all the country of Galatia, 
and Pergia in order. Look what it says, strengthening all the disciples. So he does make this brief stop in Antioch, but he leaves, or in uh, Ephesus, but he leaves. He goes back to all these churches and he's strengthening them, he's teaching them, he's preaching to them, he's bringing them up uh, all in the faith. It's all part of the strategy here. And in verse 23, we really begin to see this next beachhead that will be established in uh, the city of Ephesus. Now, go to chapter 19 and verse 1. And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus. And finding certain disciples, he said unto them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said, Unto John's baptism. And then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. They spake with tongues and prophesied. And all the men were about twelve. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for the space of three months, disputing and persuading the things concerning the kingdom of God. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way before the multitude, he departed from them and separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus. And now look at the verse 10. And this continued by the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. So he establishes this church there in Ephesus. He stays there for two years and teaches and grows and matures that church that church, and, and now Ephesus too, it's important to understand that Ephesus is a, um, a very important city at that particular time. There's a particular goddess that is worshipped in Ephesus that's talked about in the book of Acts. Anybody know who that goddess was? Yeah, Diana. And the, the, the worship of Diana had spread all throughout the world. And Paul is there dealing and really um, bringing the gospel to those people. In fact, he'd, he'd get into all kind of trouble because of, the, uh, I think it was Demetrius the silversmith who made statues of Diana. And, and there, was a, there was a real conflict going on. Because he's, this is like, he's telling them, listen, all you've believed in, all that you've worshipped, all of this Diana worship, it's all wrong. And so he begins there and he preaches there. Uh, it's undoubtedly at this particular time that the seven churches of Asia are founded. Where do we find those seven churches? Elsewhere in the Bible. Anybody know? Yeah, the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3. Those churches that are mentioned there, the, the beachhead to establish those churches is founded in Ephesus as the gospel went out. You notice what it said here in verse number 10 of chapter 19. It said, And they continued for the space of two years, so that all they which dwelt in Asia heard the word of the Lord Jesus, both Jews and Greeks. One of the other ways that they heard, too, is Ephesus is an important trading town. 
And people would come and go and come and go and come and go. It was a big city. You know, it wasn't like North Adams. You know, like the one preacher who came here said, where are we? Like it's the end of the world. You know, the end of the line, North Adams. No, it was like, maybe like, more like Boston or New York uh, or Chicago. This is a big time place. So there's Paul's strategy as he, con as he continues to do that. He establishes this, this beachhead here. Now go to chapter 20 and verse number 7, uh, I think it's verse 17. Look what it says here. And from Miletus he sent to Ephesus. Actually, Paul is now, he's on his way back. He's heading back to Jerusalem. And uh, he'll end up getting arrested, by the way, in Jerusalem. And then he'll end up in, um, he'll end up in uh, Caesarea, uh, which, Lord willing, um, pretty excited uh, in 48 hours uh, from now, I'll be standing in Caesarea, uh, right where Paul dealt with so many of these issues. But anyhow, in verse 17, the Bible says, And from latest he sent to Ephesus and um, called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said unto them, You know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in wait of the Jews. And how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. In other words, he's saying, listen, when I was there, I gave, you, I gave it my all. But I've showed you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to the Jews, to the Greeks, repentance toward God, faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will befall me. Save the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. None of these things move me, neither can I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy in the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus, to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that ye all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day, I am pure from the blood of all men. I have not shunned to declare the gospel or unto you the whole counsel of God. Then he warns them, in fact, you see this in a lot of Paul's epistles, too, by the way. Take heed, therefore, unto yourselves and to the, all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For this I know, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. So let me just stop there. So there's Paul's strategy. On every missionary journey that he took, he returns back to those churches. He makes sure that they're being built up in the faith, both as individuals and as bodies of believers. The local church, so essential uh, to the ministry and to, and to the gospel. So we see Paul's calling. We see, we see his strategy. Now on the back as we finish up, Paul's letters. And we'll talk more about this too as we get into this. So it wasn't only that he went and he preached, but he wrote letters. You have Paul, after what we just read here, shortly after, as I mentioned, he would be arrested and he'd get sent to Rome. But he has epistles that he wrote. Some of them he wrote while he was in prison. Uh, for instance, uh, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon, while he was in jail, he wrote those letters. And then the other epistles, the pastoral epistles, he wrote 
First uh, and Second Timothy, he wrote to Titus. And then the other letters, the, the letter to the church of Rome, and the letter to the region, of the, to, to the Galatians, to the churches in Corinth. And as I mentioned earlier, all of those letters were written to local churches to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. To instruct them. Now, again, the scripture that I put on the back of this. To instruct them that they would walk worthy of the vocation wherein they were called. To instruct them that they would be perfected or matured, the perfecting of the saints. To instruct them for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, the building up of the body of Christ. Until he said, we come in the unity of faith and knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. He was looking to the future, of course, when, when, when the church will be gathered together. Unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Growing up into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. So it was important for Paul not only to establish churches, but to build those churches up in the faith. I just leave you with these closing comments on your handout. Have you ever built anything? And if you've ever built anything, you know how important it is to have the right measurements. If the measurements aren't right, sometimes even the slightest miscalculation, well, at first it may not be a problem, but by the time you're done, it can certainly have serious consequences. Measurements are important. They provide length and width and height and building. Measurements are important in a local church. How do we measure our walk individually and as a body of believers? I like just, I won't read the whole thing because we're out of time, but the highlighted part of Ephesians 2, 19 through 22 in whom he's speaking of the church, in whom all the, the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. He, he uses a building metaphor. Ethan will talk more about that next week. In whom ye also are builded together. There's a house being built on my way home. It's a beautiful home that they're building. It's a large home. And I'm watching them as they build that house. And the other day I thought, man, the last three weeks they've had, you couldn't have asked for better weather this time of year to build a house. And, but I'm watching as it goes up, and it's going up at least the, um, the framing, and they got the roof on, and the sides, and they've got it all closed in, uh, you know, the rough part of it, so that when the bad weather comes, they'll be able to continue to work. But it's just, I've learned a lot through the years. I, when I, you know, I was younger, I didn't really, unfortunately, I was the third of, the, I was the youngest. I have two older brothers. So whenever there was a building project going on at my house growing up, you know who I was? I was the guy that they said, go to the garage and find the screws and, and go get this and go get that. The, you know what the problem with that is? I was a good go-getter, but when it came to, by the time I would get back, the measurements, the cutting, the putting it all together was done. And so, like I said, I could go get things pretty good. So when we would do building projects here, I was still the go-getter. But I hung around long enough to learn. And, uh, and projects at my home. And um, so uh, there's a lot of things I can do now building that I couldn't do many years ago because you learn. And it's the same thing in a local church. The church grows and people grow and it all is supposed to fit together right. And Paul would emphasize that. 
over again and over again and over again and over again. So this is kind of an introductory lesson, and we'll get into more specifics in the weeks to come. But it's really about for you to challenge yourself. How do you, as we look at these truths in the epistles, and especially in the book of Ephesians, we're just to ask ourselves, how are we measuring up? We've accepted Jesus as our Savior, but what is our walk like? Is our walk worthy of the vocation, the calling that he's placed upon our lives? And um, it's good just to take stock in that every now and then and to see where we are as believers. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, bless the morning worship service. Let it bring honor and glory to you. Thank you for the opportunity to teach the lesson this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you've taken the time to join us today. If you've been blessed by the message, or if you have placed your faith in Jesus today, we want to hear from you. Maybe you still have questions about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus. Please let us know, and we would love to answer those questions from the Bible. We would also be happy to provide you with the Bible and other free Christian resources to help you grow in your faith. You can email us at info at mountgraylockbaptist.com or send us a message on Facebook. You can also call us at 413-662-2107. We would love to hear from you, and our desire is to be a blessing to you in any way that we can. God bless.